Good morning, everyone. Today's first song is number 104, Fairest Lord Jesus. to worship. Good morning. The call to worship this morning is Psalm 116, verses 1 through 9. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. 
I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Now let's continue worshiping the Lord. We're going to sing number 82, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. God, we have gathered here together this morning again to worship you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, fill each and every one of us. Please filter out all distractions. Help us to focus our hearts on you. In the prayers, in the songs, in the hearing of your word, in all that we do. And may we leave here changed with a deeper love for you and a growing relationship of gratitude for who you are and all you do. We ask it in the name of your Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, if you will uh, take your bulletin inserts, we will pray together our prayer of confession. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, 
have mercy upon us. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And we have this promise from Scripture through the Apostle John in his first general epistle, and it's powerful, and it's for the whole church. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And, you know, we could have stopped there, but this is how wonderful God is. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that goes right in with the end of our prayer that hereafter we may live godly, righteous, and sober in Christ. Amen. And now... We will continue to worship the Lord with singing. We will sing number 294, I'd Rather Have Jesus, followed by 175, Break Thou the Bread of Life.
seated and now we will have the reading of God's word. Scripture reading this morning, Deuteronomy 5, 1 through 21, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 4, and Luke 23, verse 34. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, 
who are all of us here alive this day. And God talked with you face to face in the mount out of the mist of fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself upon them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless and taketh, that taketh his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, neither shalt thou commit adultery, neither shalt thou steal, neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be a frontlet between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them down upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And one of the scribes came, and having heard the re them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, 
which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And now if you will all take uh, your songbooks and turn to the very back, uh, number 626, we will say together the Nicene Creed, which is number 626. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And now, let us go to prayer. Lord God, the greatest blessing in our lives is to know you more and more each day. And it is wonderful that you are infinite in every way, so we will never fully know you. So each day throughout eternity will be an adventure of knowing something new about who you are and all you are doing. Please help us to never take our relationship with you for granted. And please, May we always seek to know you more and to go 
deeper, deeper into our love relationship with you. And as we know you in your love, and we are more and more filled with your love through the Holy Spirit in Jesus, you help us to love each other, even our enemies and those who make life difficult for us. And please help us to always remember that all attempts at reconciliation and unity that are of a human origin are futile. It is only in Jesus that we can both love you and love one another. So we petition you as Moses petitioned you for the Israelites when you were about to destroy them over the calf that was made from molten gold. Would you please revive your church and would you awaken those outside of your church to all Jesus has done for them and cause them to desire life in him, life eternal, life full, and life with meaning. And we pray for our nation. It is drifting away from you at an accelerating rate. Please convict us of our embracing of death and immorality. This is what the enemy is all about. So please help more and more people to surrender their so-called independence to you in order to discover what true, true freedom is. True freedom comes from accepting your will over and above our will. And this surrender to you is the only way to cross over from death to life and from bondage to immorality to the freedom to do what is right and good. So we pray this for our nation and for the world. And we pray for those in our church family. We pray for Allie and her family and her granddaughter, Misty and Misty's sons. Please help them through their tragedy. We also uh, pray for Allie's granddaughter, Kat, and friend, Katie Beth, that they would have a safe trip. We pray for Joe and thank you that he is with us. We pray for Cindy and that you will fully restore her health and energy. Please be with Nancy and Raymond and their whole extended family, including Francis. Please be with Norma, Doris, and Betty Ann. Also, Peter, Linda, Billy, their large extended family. Lord, please uh, be with Kurt and, and touch his back and be with Debbie and help her to overcome this nausea she's feeling. And please help me with explaining, interpreting, and applying your word for us today. The truths contained in it are almost beyond human comprehension. But these are essential to a right relationship with you. So please give us all extra grace 
in your love. And now we come to you with one heart and voice in the words of the prayer Jesus taught his followers, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, uh, before we uh, dig into God's word this morning, let's sing together number 262, My Jesus, I Love Thee. truth 
of many about God that people ignore or dismiss at their own peril is this. God is the initiator of everything. In fact, I believe it was Aquinas who said that God is the first cause of all that is. And it began when God created the physical universe out of nothing in an instant. And then God's creation was completed after he created people in his image. Now he gave the people one stipulation and one only, that they must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we all know the story. We heard it earlier. They ate of that tree, the great disobedience. But sometime after this, God called Abraham to be a blessing to all of the people on the earth. And then after Abraham's descendants had been slaves in Egypt, 400 years, God called Moses to be his spokesman as he acted proactively to bring them out of bondage with signs and wonders. And then he gave them the stipulations of his covenant, his covenant with the people of Israel to Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, If we know anything about the Bible, we know that over the centuries, God's people could not keep his covenant in their own strength. So in perhaps the greatest initiative in all of history, God sent his only son, the Savior, as a man to do what we could not do. And he became the perfect sacrifice to God to pay the price of our disobedience springing from our brokenness. And after he came back to life, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to all who come to him in humble, dependent, obedient faith. So the question for every person on earth right now is, what will I do with Jesus? What will I do? God has given to all of us his son. If we surrender control of our lives, and how hard is that for human beings? But if we can surrender it to God and Jesus, we will have life as God intended at creation. Life that is full, life that has meaning and purpose. However, and sadly, this is our default position. If we desire to live as independent people, That's why I have a bit of a problem with our founding document, the Declaration of Independence. We will have lives of unrelieved, unrelieved pain and sorrow, or as a famous writer said, quiet desperation. The choice is ours. 
Now, for those who do surrender to God to be his people, he has one more stipulation, one more requirement, namely this. We must constantly renew and recommit ourselves to our relationship with him. It's all about a relationship, person to person, even though we can't see him. Then we are his children and his citizens in his kingdom, and we must continue to grow in this relationship. Now, the first passage we consider this morning is Moses' call to all of Israel to renew their covenant commitment to Yahweh as their God as they prepare to cross the Jordan River into the land pledged to their forefather Abraham. Now, some of the provisions were expanded, especially the Sabbath one, for the specifics of life as settled farmers and not as wanderers. So Sinai was tweaked a little bit, but the same essence. Now, in the gospel passage, Jesus said the primary commandment of God's covenant is for us to love. First and foremost, God. We must love God. But also as an outgrowth of our loving God and God loving us, we also can love people too. So now let's dig in to our passages. We're ready to go deeper. So in the Deuteronomy 5 passage, Moses calls all Israel to a covenant renewal. And this is a key concept all throughout Scripture. And he starts by saying, hear to learn and observe the covenant. Then Moses called all Israel. Let's set the context for this. They are just east of the Jordan River, just east of where God had promised the land to Abraham and his descendants. The 40 years of wandering are over. And he said, hear Israel, the statutes and judgments I'm saying in your ears to learn them and to keep them. We must hear statutes which are prescribed actions or dealings. I think this is kind of cool. You know, God is the great physician, right? Sometimes when we go to the doctor, he prescribes some things for us. Well, God also prescribes what we need for life. These are statutes. And judgments are the proper and fitting ordinances. And if you know about the Orthodox rabbis, they found about 600 of them. But what's the purpose of this? That they would learn to do these both by exercise and training. It's not enough to just have it in our head and our hearts. It's how we live. It's what we do. And that they would guard them in order to keep them in everything they did. And then he says, Yahweh made a covenant with us at Horeb. So, um, Horeb is the desert that was around Mount Sinai, and sometimes it's used for Mount Sinai. And this word is, he cut a covenant. Remember when we did Genesis 15 in the story of Abraham, and God had instructed him 
to slay some animals and cut them in half and lay them on each side. That's what it literally meant, to cut a covenant. And then he says, this is for us, not our fathers. So he said, Yahweh did not cut this covenant with our fathers, but with all of us alive here today. And here's another key truth. All of the ones at Mount Sinai who were 20 years old and older are now dead. They died in the wilderness. You see, the covenant must be renewed from generation to generation to generation, each generation in person on its own. So now let's come forward from 1400 BC to today. Here is our challenge. May we constantly renew our relationship with God. It's not just knowing facts about him. It's our relationship, our intimate relationship of love with God. And then he says, Yahweh spoke to you face to face on the mountain. Now, many of them were under 20 at the time. Some of them had been born in the wilderness. But he's saying from the midst of the fire, and I was standing between to tell you the word of Yahweh. You see, fire in scripture often represents God's holy judgments. So Moses was an intermediary between God and his people. It occurred to me this morning, he may have been more of a priest than his brother Aaron, who became high priest. He says, because you were afraid of the presence of the fire and did not go up the mountain. Now, as I was thinking about this this week, our experience, if we've really experienced God's awesome holiness, it should produce a godly fear within us. And if we are not experiencing a healthy fear of God, then we must ask him to show us why not. We should reverence God at all times. Then what he said. So in the rest of our Deuteronomy 5 passage, Moses repeats what Yahweh had said on the mountain almost 40 years ago. And what it amounts to, we call them the Ten Commandments. It is ten responses to Yahweh for taking them out of slavery. So the first four are summed up. Because he set them free from slavery, they were to worship and serve Yahweh their God only and set aside every seventh day to rest in him. Now, don't miss verse 6. It's not a commandment proper. But the whole meaning of this is in this prelude. I have been Yahweh your God who brought you out of Egypt. Again, God doesn't expect us to initiate things on our own. This was his initiation of them as his people. Okay? Yahweh is the God who keeps his covenant word. He had told Abraham 500 years before this, your people will inherit the land. And here they were stuck in Egypt, oppressed slaves for 400 years. But he kept his word to take them out of dehumanizing slavery. 
And it just occurred to me, we're all born slaves to sin. We're less than we could be as full human beings. But then God gave them a gracious, miraculous salvation. This is the basis and the ground for the commandments. You see, he has the right to give decrees and ordinances because of all that he has done for us and continues to do. But we must understand that these commandments are for our benefit. You know, human nature wants to rebel against them, but they're for our benefit, for our blessings. So let's look at them. Number one, you shall have no gods above me. We heard in the next chapter in Deuteronomy 6 that he is the one and only God. Okay? Yahweh commanded that they love him with all that is within them, and then he commanded them to put these commands in their hearts and to always incisively instruct their children. Now, as I looked that word up, it had to do with cutting. And this isn't in your outlines because I only thought of it this morning. As I was praying and preparing, remember in Hebrews, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. To understand God's word and to be instructed in it, it will act like a sword. And God's word will cut out of us all that is unpleasing to God and leave that which is good so we can grow. Secondly, you shall not make an image idol to which you bow down because I will count iniquity to those hating me, but I am doing steadfast love for those who love me and keep my commands. So there's the command and two two actions of God, depending on what we do. No one should serve anything that is not Yahweh, other than the one true God, nothing. Don't serve anything else. And the consequences, if we do serve anything but God or above God, the consequence is he counts that against us. But here's the good news. Those who only bow down to God in loving obedience experience his strong love, his life-giving, life-changing Love. Thirdly, you shall not take the name of your God in vain because then you will be guilty. Vain. How do we describe that? It means to never use God's name in an empty or false way. Now we come to the fourth word. Observe to keep holy the seventh day as your God commanded you, all people and animals in your gates will rest to Yahweh. Now, I've been working on this for the last two years now in my own life, but it is Yahweh's Sabbath and must be kept holy to him. And No one, no one, children, sons or daughters, servants, men or women, 
animals, two are listed and then all together, or sojourners in their gates will do any work. I'm trying from the time I go home until the middle of the day on Monday to do only that which focuses on God and faith and life because God desires us to have a settled rest in him. And this is for all people, all of his creatures. We must learn, people. It's not natural. We must learn to rest in God. And then he says, remember. See, they have a memory of being slaves in Egypt. But again, they were brought out of there by Yahweh, his great initiation into his covenant by his mighty hand. And therefore, they must keep the Sabbath day of rest. Now, you can look at it in your English Bible. I counted up the words in the Hebrew manuscript. This is by far the longest of the four commands. It is one-third of all the words, not one-tenth. So, let us all consider practicing a weekly day of rest to God just because of the emphasis he puts on this commandment. And now the first four commandments all together, they have to do with God. Describe how we are to love God. The greatest commandment, love God fully. And every morning in my prayers, when I pray about the only three relationships that count, our relationship with God, our relationship with our brothers in Christ, and our relationship with everybody else. I have to confess, in all three areas, I fall short, but I'm depending on God for grace to grow and do better. Secondly, they were to honor their parents and to do no wrong to one another in deeds and words or in their hearts. So the sixth word, Yahweh your God has commanded you to honor your father and mother. First, that your days will be made long. And second, that um, you will go well. Things will go well for you in the land he is giving you. And Paul was inspired to write in the New Testament, this is the first of the commandments, the fifth one. That has a promise, but it actually has two. Long life and a good life. Uh, Sixth, you shall not kill, but this word actually carries the meaning of murder. No murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Now, as I dug into this word, we all know that fornication is wrong as well. That's between unmarried people. But what's being talked about here is when a man has sexual relations with a married woman causing unfaithfulness. And if there's one sin that is prime against God, it is anything causing unfaithfulness. A, you shall not steal. And this is taking what belongs to another person by stealth or deception. And again, don't kid yourself. This isn't just scam artists. I know that I myself have this tendency. I think we all can be tempted. Ninthly, you shall not answer a false witness against your neighbor. 
And this is both testifying in court and just speaking falsely about anybody because as Jesus taught, everybody's our neighbor. And 10th, you shall not greatly desire the wife of your neighbor. Now, this is interesting. You know, for people who think the New Testament is something special and above, well, this is 1,400 years before Jesus was born. And God is speaking through Moses. Just the desire, the coveting of your neighbor's wife, it's the same as adultery. Jesus wasn't saying anything new. He was just saying it clearer. And you shall not long for his house, his field, his servants, his animals, anything and everything that is his. This is coveting. So after four commandments that were dealing with physical actions, this last one is all about the heart, what goes on inside us. So the bottom line of our Deuteronomy passages, proper behavior and attitude towards our fellow human beings, that's really the evidence that we do love God for all he has done for us. Because again, the prime commandment from which everything flows, the greatest commandment, love God fully. Now let's go up to our gospel passage in Mark. What's happening here is, and this is why they're linked this morning, Jesus is clarifying and focusing the words given to Moses. So in the first verse, after hearing Jesus' good answer, a scribe asks him, which commandment is foremost of all? So this is in four staccato steps. After one of the scribes came. Now, a scribe was someone who copied scripture. And again, this might be new information to you, but the Hebrew Bible is arranged in a very different order than our Old Testament is. Ours follows the Septuagint, but the Hebrew Bible has the Torah, the five books of Moses, followed by the prophets, which are considered the early and later prophets. The early prophets are the historical books The later prophets are what we would consider prophecy proper. And then the writings, which is the Psalms in the wisdom literature, including Job and Ecclesiastes, etc. So he copied this out. That was his vocation. And then having heard them reasoning together, and just look up in your Bible, you will see what had happened just before these verses was the Sadducees, who were the liberals of their day and didn't believe in anything supernatural, no resurrection. They had told Jesus about a hypothetical woman who became the widow of seven brothers. And they were trying to prove how foolish it is for there to be any such thing as a resurrection. But Jesus disarmed them. He put them in their place because they didn't know scripture. They didn't know the power of God. So after perceiving Jesus, answered them well. So, you know, you sometimes will see conflicts between the scribes and Jesus, especially in John's gospel. Here was a scribe with good spiritual discernment. And what does he do? Finally, he asked Jesus, which is the foremost commandment of all? 
As I had said, there were some 600 commands and decrees, and with so many to obey, he wanted to know what is the most important. And Jesus answered. Actually, there's one command in two future tenses. Hear, Israel, the Lord is one. Love him with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. So firstly, the Savior answered him, the foremost is here, Israel, the Lord our God, one Lord is. So he quotes our second Deuteronomy passage, and the commandment is to hear, hearing so that we obey every day, day after day after day, more and more. There is one God, as we now know, in three persons. And I said it before when I was talking about the Ten Commandments, but let me say it again. When we put anything above the one God, we sin. And then he says, and you will love the Lord your God from your whole heart, from your whole life, from your whole mind, from your whole strength. Powerful repetition here. We are to love God with our whole being four times over. Our heart and mind, our life, our strength. That is how we are to love God. Here's the application for us, because God does not change, nor his ways. May we all constantly renew and recommit to our love relationship with God. To love him with all we are and all that is in us. It's not just knowing about him. It's our relationship with him. Like any other relationship or more. The greatest commandment, love God fully. And then Jesus concludes, this is second. You will love your neighbor as yourselves. You know, and and I've heard a lot of squirrely interpretations of this and bit my tongue. But what finally occurred to me about five years ago that this is all about, we will always share what is most important with us and to us. And this should be that we know we are children of God with Jesus as our big brother, as our Savior, as our Lord. So may we also, in addition to what I just said, recommit to sharing the love that we have received. If we have truly received the love of God, then we must Share it with all our neighbors. If not, go back to step one and make sure we've received it. And it occurred to me a text that really touched me when I didn't know God, a textbook in mathematics my senior year at WPI. It had this inscription on the first page. The greatest human love is to share what we love most with others. Well, I now know that's not mathematics, okay? It should be knowing God in Jesus. That's what we share. And Jesus says, greater than these, no other commandment is. 
So in other words, all commandments, decrees, and ordinances support these two great commandments. Love God, love your neighbor. And we will be able to do all of this if we know him. Again, it's the relationship, our love relationship. Know him, know his love, love him back. When we understand who he is and how he's acted in history to give us what we really need, namely a love relationship with God. That is supreme. So let's wrap this up. It'll be more the details than the depth. As God is about to fulfill his word to Abraham about his descendants in the land, Moses reminds a new generation of Israelites about all that God has done for them in the past. And then he restates the key stipulations of his covenant with them. Then 15 centuries later, in response to a sincere question by a scribe of God's word, Jesus states, the foremost commandment is to love God with all that is in us, our entire being. And then we will demonstrate that we truly love God by loving our neighbors as he has loved us. Love him with the love he's received that they may receive it as well. The greatest commandment, love God fully. And John also said, we love because he first loved us. So let us close our time of worship by singing number 307, And Can It Be? Amazing love, how can it be?
done singing that song to turn the microphone on. Such a great song. Here's our good word, the benediction from the Apostle Paul's second letter to the churches in Thessalonica. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth. And it was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. It's in the things we say. It's in the things we do. Do it all in Christ 
who loved us so we can love him. And now uh, our final song will be number 106, The Greatest Thing. Greatest thing in all my life is serving.